0: Welcome to an encore presentation of Compassion Radio 360. Good morning and welcome to Compassion Radio's 360 program this Friday. Uh, honey, hmm. are you happy today?
1: Relatively so, I think.
0: <laughs> Relatively might be one of those qualifiers we have to use a lot today because we're going to talk <laughs> about the word happy. At the end of multiple years where most of the world have been saying happy, happy. It's been one crisis after another. Anxiety levels seem to be way up still. Generalized anxiety is about things that you don't really see close to you. You don't know when to let your guard down.
1: Well, even here in the U.S., we've had some severe weather throughout the country. Mm-hmm. Where we live in the Northwest, we're getting dumped with snow yet again. Yes. So we're having to dig out of all the snow. There's been tornadoes through the Southwest yeah. and the Deep South, and there's been all kinds of issues in California with flooding and even ice storms and snowstorms up there in the mountains. So there's a lot of things that are out of our control. That can and often do affect our level of anxiety.
0: We just assume that we either take a pill and get over it or just think it away Mm -hmm. without any real roadmap for that. It's one of the reasons why you and I have spent so much time in the past few years focusing on things like the Psalms Mm -hmm. and Ecclesiastes Mm -hmm. and the Acts of the Apostles. When they were under stress, what did they do? We did a series on these things in our Monday program that we call Chasing the Word, And it has been focused on how has the family of God faced those kind of trials all through history, especially at the beginning of the faith that we call Christianity. So we are facing what seems to be another chapter in the seemingly endless battle of humans against anxiety. Mm -hmm, So will it ever end? Well, I think the Bible is pretty clear that Jesus will eventually bring everything under his lordship and where he is Lord. Things go right Mm -hmm. and people know that they're safe. We are home. That is the promise we find in Scripture. And that promise, by the way, as we tell people time after time on this program, is not just about the life to come in heaven, waiting for the next resurrection. It is really about finding the kingdom now, entering into that fellowship with identity that I'm looking at my brother and my sister in the eye, ones I've never met before. Mm -hmm. And when you stand in front of somebody who has given their heart to Jesus, God says, that one is mine we stand as equals together before a God who is the Father of all. That is the core theology that Christianity's always stood on.
1: The problem with it is, at times, it's not tangible. It's not something that we can physically grasp and hold on to. That's very important to us. Something that we can actually grasp onto. And we live at such breakneck speed that we don't slow down enough to see how we really can grasp the intangible things.
0: When people talk about, I just need something tangible, something I can hang on to, And they're not talking about a literal object anymore. They're talking about an idea. I just need a reason to hang on. Mm -hmm. That's not tangible. (laughs) Reasons, convictions, contentments, all those things are intangibles that we would say from the Scripture are more real than the tangible... Desk, I'm talking over right now.
1: In the spiritual sense, those intangibles are, like you said, more real. Some of us need those tactile yeah. helps, but the things that we take in internally, the things that we hide in our hearts mm-hmm. that can grow and come out in other ways, those are the real things that actually do affect our mental health. They do. For the good and bad.
0: Here's a good example. We as a family, for the first time in years, actually adopted a puppy. (laughs) And we're in the middle right now of getting this new one trained. And because we live in a forest in North Idaho now, we can't be a small dog anymore. We know we have to have a larger dog to be able to take care of itself out there because there are big animals in this part of the country. So we go to the breeder who has these puppies ready to go. We make a date and take this puppy home. Part of our worry is what are we going to do if she suddenly is longing for her mama Mm -hmm. what will we do if she's not happy with us? And our son was feeling that pretty intensely. What if I do this wrong? Mm -hmm. On our way over, we talked about that. And one of the things that that owner of the dog that had had this whole big litter of puppies was, it's okay, we've taken care of this. We've got these little plushy toys that we have literally rubbed on Mama. Her smell is all over this thing. We're sending that home with you so that when Mm. she is sleeping the first night, we've seen it many times, they will just grab that thing and they will snuggle it and they will remember and they'll feel safe because they sense the aroma, the presence Mm. of mom is there. Mm. That will transfer to you. You will become for her what her mama is for her right now. So we had to trust this breeder that this was going to work. We get this puppy home and sure enough, she just loves that little plushy duck. (laughs) and she would carry it with her like a prize around the house. We eventually just put it in her kennel, and that's where it pretty much stays. She has other toys that she terrorizes now with her puppy energy, but that one is kind of special to her. The tangible thing that was given to her addressed an intangible worry we had. We would say that worry was real, but it was intangible. Mm. The puppy is not thinking on that level, probably, but this tangible thing was, for all intents and purposes, mama. Mm -hmm. I do believe these things knit together. There are things that are tangible in this world which have eternal consequence and meaning and presence. For example, if you go to the kingdom of God, which we would probably identify as our local church if we're a member of one, you want to touch the face of God? Hug on these people and Mm -hmm. kiss them on the cheek. Mm -hmm. You are touching an indwelling of God's spirit right there. Celebrate that and love on somebody. Why not lean in more? Not lean away from because we're feeling anxious, but literally pushing closer. Most of us are past the worry of the danger of COVID, so we're not as concerned about being close to other people within breath distance. Mm-hmm. But even if we are still masked up, what is the problem with leaning in emotionally to the people that are also leaning in with you to God himself.
1: Mm. Well, there's not one. But alas, we are getting ahead of ourselves. (laughs) We haven't even shared the article that we were going to talk about today on 360. And it has to do with the happiest cities in America. There
0: you go. That was the prompt for us. The happiest places on earth. (laughs) In this case, we'll talk about America.
1: And Disneyland is not even on the list.
0: This article was straightforward. Mm -hmm. Let's choose some metrics here of 150 or so cities. Let's rate them all based on the surveys we get back and other data that we can get from the city statistics. So they came up with a list that had three basic categories to deal with. And what were those categories?
1: The categories were emotional and physical well-being, income and employment, community and environment. And within each of those categories, they had subcategories that Mm -hmm. were weighted with different point systems that they attached to each of these.
0: And most of the negative point scoring would be attached to things that we would consider tangible stats of crime or of people being admitted to hospitals to be treated for depression or even the worst statistic of all, suicide. Mm -hmm. You can empirically measure that and show those numbers literally. Mm -hmm. On the happiness side of things, become all intangibles. You can't just say, oh, we have 37 park benches more than the next city, therefore we're happier. You have to talk about how people utilize the spaces they're in, how they feel about their jobs, about their schools, about their families, mm-hmm. and measure that by things like how long do they live? Do they have good health care? Mm-hmm. Are those things present so that they don't get sick and die early? Is there less stress in the environment around them so they can live longer? And those intangible things become the most important things in this particular survey.
1: Yeah, absolutely. They looked at all of these different metrics and decided how to weigh them.
0: That goes to methodology. And methodology is always going to be an arbitrary, it's going to be something that they chose to weight in a certain way for their own particular purposes. And it basically goes to the values they're trying to get at. Mm-hmm. If they're trying to value something, they, as researchers, are putting value on something.
1: What makes you happy is not necessarily going to make me happy. But there is a way to look at it just in generalities. The general life circumstances, I would argue that it has more to do with contentment Mm -hmm. than happiness. But... That's the word they chose, so we'll use that one.
0: Four paragraphs here to the introduction of this survey. says simply this. It can be hard to be happy in 2023 when faced with economic difficulties like high inflation, which is a source of stress for over 83% of adults. Fair statement. 83% of people who responded said, yep. And there is is a link
1: there that goes to another article about stress in America, which if you want to read that, that would be great too.
0: Therefore, it's vital for people to boost their happiness however they can. Now, that's a value statement, of course, and I would agree with it. It is important. If you have the opportunity or means to increase happiness in your life, there's no point in intentionally making yourself miserable when it's not necessary to be so. <laughs> Whether through family, friends, activities, entertainment, or work. And those are the activities, the actual Actions, that they say, are the things that you can measure your satisfaction with having done and bring meaning to your life. Mm-hmm. Now that's what they're talking about, is your personal sense of meaning and purpose. What people might not realize is that where they live may also determine how happy they are. So, we'll talk about geography. Location plays a hand in how bright or gloomy our days are. That's weather. For years, researchers have studied the science of happiness and found that its key ingredients include a positive mental state, a healthy body strong social connections, job satisfaction, and financial well-being. Again, financial well-being is a state of mind. It's not a dollar number. They continue on that thought. However, money can only make you so happy. People who make $75,000 a year, which is about the median close to it in America, won't get any higher satisfaction from more money. And that's what the numbers say. Consider also the fact that while the U.S. is one of the richest countries, it ranks only 16th on the World Happiness Report which measures these things on a world basis. Not everywhere in the U.S. experiences a uniform level of happiness. As this study aims to illustrate, moving to a certain city may help you be more content. And this website called WalletHub worked on these findings and filtered them through positive psychology research in order to determine which among the more than 180 of the largest U.S. cities is home to the happiest people in America. Hmm. They looked at 30 key indicators of happiness, ranging from the depression rate to income growth rate to average leisure time spent per day. So if you want to see what those cities are, they've got a map for you and a breakdown of overall happiness and then of happiness based on the different priorities. Whether emotional and physical well-being is important to somebody, whether income and employment is important to somebody, whether community and environment is important. You can sort out the entire list and figure out where's the happiest spot in America whether getting Bibles into closed countries, relief supplies into dangerous refugee camps, will you help us get ready for the next big faith challenges and opportunities of this year? Your gift today will provide the means for us to begin some new initiatives with our Bible and relief partners that reach farther than we've ever gone before. The first and best way to reach us is through our website, CompassionRadio.com. It's available 24-7. You can also support us with a call during Pacific Time Business Hours at one 800 868 2478. That's 1-800-868-2478. You can also text COMPASSION to 53445 to give right through your phone. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. We so much value your messages and letters. And know this, your gift is deeply appreciated. Thank you for loving us in this way. You can sort out the entire list and figure out where's the happiest spot in America. If you look at the overall rankings, well, congratulations, Fremont, California. (laughs) Who would have thunk that you would run right to the top and that San Jose would be right behind you? Mm -hmm. I think as somebody who might be aspiring to get a good job in San Jose, if you can get one that can get you the median income in that city, Mm -hmm. more power to you. Looking at it from somebody who's never lived in that expensive of a location, I would say, that scares me to death. (laughs) Just trying to afford to live in San Jose would scare me. (laughs) California in general is a challenge. You work your way down to other cities in the Midwest and places that have a good balance between income potential and all the other categories we talked about. Places like Madison, Wisconsin, Overland Park, Kansas. Then you jump around to the East Coast. Down at number seven is Columbia, Maryland. Number eight is Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And then it bounces up to the New England states and out to the West Coast and Seattle, North Dakota. North Dakota, how could that be in the top 20? And it goes on down from there. And so not to make too much of a point of it, I would say we would just extend our condolences to and our prayers for the folks that are in Detroit, Michigan, mm-hmm. because on this list, they ended up at number 182 this year. There's always up from there, right? We follow stories of wonderful movements happening in cities like Cleveland and Detroit, and other coastal cities that are struggling to rebuild after the collapse of industrialism. Mm-hmm. You know, they're on their way back up again, but it's a long slog. And in the meantime, they've got to do a lot of work to bring people into a sense of common purpose that they have some place to go together and it's good.
1: It would be easy to look at this list and see all the rankings and go, wow, I'm never moving there. That's awful. That's so sad. And get in this really down state. And think everyone there just must be miserable. miserable and in the doldrums all the time. I don't think that's mm. actually the truth. I don't either. But I look at some of the things that they've broken out of this list and how they've looked at the depression rate mm-hmm. in some of these places and how it is very high in West Virginia. West mm-hmm. Virginia has a very high rate of depression and also a very low rate of good sleep. They don't get mm. adequate sleep there. There's also a map that shows things that are even more disturbing, like the suicide rate that you talked about before. And Casper, Wyoming has got the highest suicide rate in the country at Mm. this point. And I think, wow, what is happening in these cities where these depression rates, these suicide rates, these inadequate sleep rates are so high? And how, as people of God, as kingdom lovers and workers, Mm -hmm. how can we look at that if we're from one of these places and say, what? can I do to encourage those around me? How can I spread the joy and the happiness of life in Christ Mm -hmm. in the kingdom around me so that these statistics are moot?
0: Right. If someone is looking at a change in life and says, I'm already thinking about moving somewhere. Well, a list like this could be helpful. If you go to certain cities like Fremont or Overland Park, Kansas or Columbia, Maryland, You would see that there's a lot of indicators that the things that might be useful to you to build a new lifestyle are there. There's good environment. There's good quality of life in a lot of ways. And it might be a good place to start over. Most of us are probably thinking to ourselves, no, God has called me to be here. I really don't want to leave here. I love where I grew up. Mm -hmm. I love this city. I love this place. And then you have to decide how can I get that kind of lifestyle and happiness index into my own life and into the life of other people? Because as kingdom people, we believe that we're always missional, mm-hmm. which is not just about learning how to give the four spiritual laws and to talk to somebody. It's about knowing how to love people well. Mm-hmm. And it means that you do, in fact, want to see the world and treat them and communicate with them like Jesus would. Right? That's mission. Yeah. And Jesus was on a mission to usher in a whole new relationship with God by being that and he's modeled it for us, and he's put a spirit in us to become that too.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So we're not encouraging you just to pick up your boots and your suitcase and get out of there.
1: Well, some are not able to do yep. that either. Maybe in a place where you're thinking... I'm stuck here. It's not that I love it so much that I want to stay. It's mm-hmm. that I have no choice but to stay because I can't afford to go somewhere else or I can't see a way out. Or I'm
0: caring for a parent. I'm caring for a child.
1: There's yeah. a plethora of reasons. Right. But what can I do in this place Correct. where I am currently to make a difference yeah. in the lives of others and in my own life? How can I implement self-care mm, to bring up my mental state and my well-being?
0: How do we move from I'm stuck here to I'm thriving here.
1: Or I'm planted here.
0: And eventually thriving. Yeah. Yeah, that's our hope too, that where we are would become someplace that we are loving in Mm -hmm. and love to be in. I looked at books like Job in the Bible. Mm -hmm. In fact, we were looking through where does happy show up in the Bible? (laughs) Right. There are more references to happy in the Old Testament in things like Deuteronomy, where they were trying to find their way, to Job where he was crushed beyond measure And Ecclesiastes, where the king is wrestling with what does it all mean.
1: In Isaiah, where they're talking about going into
0: exile. Exile. Um, The hardest books in the Bible are the ones where that word happy is introduced in there to challenge your way of thinking. Mm. Not to say, oh, just be happy. It's not saying that at all. It's saying, this is what happiness is. In fact, the scripture from Job 6.10, I want to jump to that real quick. It is a deep irony he's speaking here. He's trying so hard to honor God, and he's afraid that if he doesn't hold... Hold on a bit longer, he's finally just gonna break down Mm -hmm. and say something that God's not going to appreciate because he's hurting so bad, he's lost so much. Taken out of context, this thing would simply be, Oh, go for it, Job, live happy. The (laughs) verse itself says, Then I would still have comfort. I would be happy despite my endless pain, because I have not rejected the words of the Holy One. Mm -hmm. The problem, of course, is then I would still that's there to say something came before. What came before that? Well, he goes through a real trial. He's lost everything. We know that's the basic story of Job. His family is dead, literally, while Satan and God the Father are wrestling it out in the heavens to see who's actually going to win the soul of Job. Job has said, Oh, how I wish my prayer would be answered, which sounds hopeful. But the next line says that Aloha, which means God, would give me what I'm hoping for, that he would finally be willing to crush me, that he would reach out and cut me off. Mm. In other words, he's about to give up hope. And at that moment, he thinks, I would be better off dead. When Job says that, and God does not answer that prayer the way he wants at that moment, where he's like, just put me out of my misery. Then he says, if he would just do that, then I would have comfort, because I wouldn't have to struggle anymore. Mm -hmm. But there is some backhanded truth here that is to be found that is comforting for us now, which is, because I have not rejected the words of the Holy One, I could be at peace just dying right now, because he doesn't want to offend God, even when he's struggling. So his heart, as far as we're concerned, is pure. It loves God. He doesn't want to offend him, but he also doesn't know how much longer he can hold on. And he's talking about happiness. His heart is struggling, but his heart is also fixed on God. So in some ways, even when he's hurting, he's content with the God he has, because it's the only one that is, and he knows it. Mm -hmm. So he better be on good terms with him because he's the only God he's got. When we're Mm -hmm. struggling, are we willing to say, you know what? I don't get it, God, but you're the only one I got. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So let's work this out. And that's a pursuit that's worth doing because I believe it can lead to genuine contentment.
1: Well, we know that Jesus talked a lot about Mm -hmm. the stresses of this world that were inevitable. Mm Mm-hmm. And he talks to his disciples at length about persecutions. Yes, he does. And the world will hate you because you love me and all of these things that were going to come in the future and were even happening to them at that time. Yeah. But then he also says, I'm telling you these things ahead of time so that when they come, you'll know that you've been warned for one thing, but you can have peace in me. In John 16, he says, I've overcome the world. I've conquered all these things.
0: And not just that I've done that, but rejoice knowing that. Yeah. Be happy because I'm telling you, I've overcome the world.
1: Yeah. Now, it's easy to sit in a nice, comfortable place where we are right now and quote these scriptures Mm -hmm. and say, yes, we just live like this. We just believe in these things. We just follow what the Bible says. And that's all true. But it's really hard in the trenches sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's really difficult when you are in the depths of darkness, when you are in a place of deep sorrow and Mm -hmm. grief, when you are financially unstable and very concerned about feeding your family or paying your mortgage or your rent or your electric bill, when you are in a place of physical pain Mm -hmm. and immobility, when you can't work, when you are in a place of depression, those are real things.
0: They're intangibles that are absolutely real.
1: And I think we can look at Job, like you were saying, and be pretty confident that he was in all of those places at that point. He was at the lowest place possible. And maybe that's why the book of Job is put in this Bible for us, so that we can look at his life and say, wow, thank you, God, that I am not in that place. But some people are in that place.
0: I think it's fair to look at the Bible through this lens. The Word of God, as we understand it, the very first book written was Job. Everything else came afterwards. The rest of it is all the working out of that stuff. Mm-hmm. If we just assemble the Bible in that order in human history, we could say mm-hmm. the first thing that we are made aware of that includes God is misery. Focus on the thing that we can't avoid. Every human, since the beginning of time, has faced some challenge, some existential threat. Mm-hmm. In the face of that, what do you do? Well, Job had an answer because he had a relationship. The Bible was assembled with that question being asked first. As far as I'm concerned, a whole rest of the Bible, all the way through to Jesus on the cross and the second coming, is an answer to that question. Who are we? And why are we here? And what are we going to do when things don't go well? The answer always comes up, not what to do, but who to trust. Always has been.
1: The Westminster Catechism Mm -hmm. asks that very question. What is the reason we're here? What is the chief end of man? Their answer is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever, based on 1 Corinthians 10.
0: Right. I love the way it's worded because it sounds just like Jesus saying, what is the first and greatest commandment? Love, the Lord your God, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. On these two things hang all the law and the prophets. You're not even really completely a man yet until these things are real in you. Mm -hmm. That you have glorified God and you've experienced the joy that comes from that. And to enjoy Him, actually be with Him. And that is the great and grand hope of all Christianity, is that those things would become real Mm -hmm. for us. We're in the Lenten season right now, refocusing on the ways that we have need of a Savior, to be honest about Mm -hmm. the things that have caused us to need a Savior, Mm -hmm. to say, I bring these things and lay them on the altar. I wouldn't want to bring that to a garbage collector, but yet God said, bring this to me, Mm -hmm. put it right here. And the only place we can meet him is at the foot of the cross, which is the grandest altar of all time. Mm He encourages us to be honest. We give up things or we set them aside for the season of Lent in order to remind themselves that when the urge comes to us to pick that thing up or to do that activity or to eat that food or whatever, that is a signal to us that during this season, we should pay attention to how God has already fulfilled the need that that pang brings up in me. At the end of the Lent, we rejoice that it has all been wrapped up and met and completed in Jesus. We can be remindful of the things that God is and the way he is present.
1: Blant has reminded me, too, that God has a view of me. Mm -hmm. What does he see in me? Who are we? As believers, we know that we are not bound by earthly opinions. We are bound by what God says and what he says about us. Who Mm -hmm. is Sandy? And when I look at the mirror and see myself and I can say, I am a daughter of the Most High God. I am safe, I am beloved, I am treasured.
0: You are saying that in response to a very specific kind of mirror.
1: Absolutely.
0: You're talking about standing in front of the Word of God
1: Mm -hmm. and
0: letting it speak back to you truth Yes. and being able to perceive it. The thing that we seem to struggle with, we're afraid to come before the Word of God because we're afraid it's gonna show us to be really, really ugly. Even if God never mentioned it in the entire Bible, if we were ever honest with ourselves, we would get it. He is not like us in that regard. Here's something special here that goes way beyond me. I want that. There is no condemnation here. Just come. So that, my friends, is for us the happiness index. Mm -hmm. Wherever we are in his presence, he says we're going to be happy. That's our invitation today. And we're so glad you joined us on Compassion Radio's 360 this week. Our project as we start 2023 is to provide more Bibles through our partner, Bibles for the World. Please give generously today so that we can help John send more copies of the Gospel of John for new believers, along with New Testaments and full Bibles for those growing in their faith. Needed right now in Vietnam, as the door stands wide open, call 1-800-868-2478. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. And jump in anytime at CompassionRadio.com.